Okay. Thanks, Clay. Um, good to be here. As uh, I think just one detail on the, the offering, if you're giving an offering towards Worship Now, which we had a great turnout yesterday of people from this community and other churches in Manhattan here in City Park. It was so great to come out in public and worship God. I know he's doing a powerful thing. It was just very life-giving. And we do want to bless the team that's traveling around, and there's expenses involved in that. Um, so if you want to give towards that, we would, we're going to give a generous gift from our church to help worship now. So if you want to be part of that, you can. There's not actually like an option online that says worship now, but you can, there's a way to designate your gift and say what it's for. So you can do that. All right. So cross current. Sexuality. Addressing our ache. Good stuff. The, it's called cross current because it's counter, like going against the current of what our culture says and the messages and images and ideas that we're surrounded with all the time. And it's also cross-current because it takes us to the cross. And a lot of what we'll be talking about for the next four weeks, you may be like, wait, I thought we were talking about sex. That just seems like this is just about God and other stuff. But the reality is, is that sexuality is about much more than something physical. It is something physical. But it's something emotional, something spiritual, something that gets to the very core of who God has made us to be. And so we're going to be looking at what God has to lead us into for that. So we're going to hear from a lot of people over the next four weeks. Uh, next week, our friend Marco Casanova from Living from Desert Streams Ministries, who I just want to, we want to acknowledge that this series is based on some, uh, some material that Desert Streams puts out. They're really experts in ministry based in Kansas City to help walk people in healing and sexual wholeness. Um, really, it was a ministry that started helping people out of LGBT backgrounds and same-sex attraction, but has so much to say for, for all of us, whether that's our issue or not. And so next week, Marco Casanova, who's one of the leaders there, is going to be speaking. And then in a couple of weeks, Aja Banner and I are going to be talking. And then Clay and Sharon are going to be talking the week after that. So we're going to hear from all sorts of people in this series. But today, we're hearing from the person I know who is the most loving person I know, and that's my <laughs> wife, Reagan. So You don't know many people, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that may be, no, uh, that may be true, but I, I know you, and I know that's, that's true. So, really, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to just kind of go back and forth here, looking at, at really the foundation for all of this, which is receiving the unfailing love of God in our lives. And the reality is, is that the greatest need of the human heart is the need to be loved. It's a need for love. There's nothing we yearn for and need more than love. We need to be loved, and then we are designed to come to a place of being free to love other people. And that's really the hallmark of, of humanity. That's what it means to be fully human. You th I was just thinking about this. How many thousands of love songs have been written? How many songs and poems and books and like, there's a theme, it's just like, you'd think like we'd run out of songs, you know? But it's just like, keep coming up with them, because it's something so integral to who we are as, as people. And there's, the reality is, so much of the Bible is about love. So much of the, the Psalms, really, is, I think first and foremost, is looking at God's unfailing love and how that is for us. And even as we were worshiping this morning, I just, I know that was so great that God was, was revealing that, revealing his heart to us in that area. But to be whole people, to be whole people, we've got to be able to receive love and then be in a place of giving love. 
and this starts very young. The, there's, there's, when babies, when we're born, it's just so important that babies are held, that they're cuddled, that they're cooed to, all those things that are just like, well, just, we just do it. But it's, it does something in us as people, even in our development of our brains. It's crazy. People who, where there's, if there's a lack of that, it really affects our development. And the reality is, is that all of us, growing up in our life experience, all of us have, have tasted of the grace of God and the goodness of God in different ways. Most of us have gotten some amount of that in our families growing up. But it's also true that it's imperfect and flawed in all of our experience. And there are places where no matter how great your parents were, there, no matter, you know, and we know this because we're parents, and we're like, oh, God, we thought we were going to be great parents. And then we, you kids grow up, you're like, oh, my goodness, I don't know that that's true. Like, you see all the ways where just every human parent falls short of instilling what God wants, to, of what people need. And so there are things that we get in different ways in our families, but there are, there are holes and gaps that all of us have. Um, but it's what we need the most. It's, I think it's very insightful that when, when in the whole issue of porn, that in online porn searches, the top word that is typed in is love. And that shows the reality of what we are really looking for, what we are really yearning for. It's not just a physical thing, but it's, it's love that is behind. And that's true for, I mean, everything, whether it's food or alcohol or success. The things that we are like putting our energy into, it's really a quest for love that's behind all of that. So love, what is love? Love is giving to someone beyond what one is getting in return. That's real love. Giving to another person beyond what you're getting in return. Mm -hmm. It's putting another's needs ahead of our own. Yeah. So that's the ability to see a person, not for what can I get from this relationship, but who is this person truly? And to esteem them and value them and desire to invest, to give into their life because of, of seeing them for who they really are. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure most of us would define love in terms of our own needs. Um, we give to others based on, I mean, we wouldn't really admit this, but it's definitely true, based on like, I, I like you, I love you, based on my own needs and what I'm trying to get out of you. Yeah. So um, it ends up like our need for love is greater than like our freedom to give it. Like, we kind of look at people as, like, how can you satisfy me versus I'm living out of freedom and loving you no matter what. Yeah. Well, this is, we're going to look at the, the classic love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, often read at weddings, but so relevant for, for all of us. It's really beyond, beyond weddings or marriage where God defines love. In 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4, love is patient Love is kind. That's, that's enough to disqualify me right there. <laughs> Stop. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. In, or in other words, it's not self-centered. It's not egocentric. It does not dishonor others. 
It is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Ouch, okay. So when I'm getting angry, that's not love going on. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Wow. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So that's quite different from us, right? The opposite comes out of me when my source of love or security is threatened. Um, I tend to like not like people. <laughs> and I tend to like just want to hide and be angry at the whole world, which happened this week, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Sounds fun. All right. So yeah, so human love, it, it, we fall short, and then as we're looking to receive love from others, we inevitably are disappointed by those interactions in our relationships. So our friends let us down. We don't get what we're hoping for in those interactions. Our spiritual leaders, our pastors, disappoint us and let us down. Our boyfriends, girlfriends, lovers, husbands, wives. Like the story, I mean, how many of the love songs out there are about disappointment and how this person let me down and how they hurt me? Because that's, man, it's the ache. It's all part of this. There's, there's so much ache and disappointment and hurt when it comes to our relationships. Um, our employers, our siblings, pretty much every relationship that we have. As we're like, we're wired for, for a loving relationship, but then we get just disappointed all the time. But the reality of that is that when I am not just saying this because I'm trying to get myself off the hook as a pastor, like, hey, yeah, I let you down, so <laughs> deal with it. That's just, what, that's just part of it. But the reality is, is that when we're, when we're so disappointed by our interaction with people, it really shows that our, our seemingly noble pursuit of love isn't really about giving something to that other person, but it's about trying to fill a void in our own heart, and that's why it hurts so much. And so we're left alone to face the brokenness inside of us. Yeah, Proverbs 19.22 says, what a person desires is unfailing love. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, at least for me this week, I equated love with like happiness and this overflowing, you know, goodwill towards people, and um, which was not my experience. When I knew we were going to talk about love, and I was like, oh, no, I know it's going to be a bad week. <laughs> I just know, <laughs> like, whenever I speak, it's like a really bad week about that specific topic for me. And actually, I got to thinking, last time I spoke, which has been a couple of months, it was about, like, being in the garden of pain and agony. And I'm like, wow, I've been in that garden, like, for three months now. <laughs> <laughs> like, so be careful, like, if you want to be up here and talk, be careful, because <laughs> it's going to be a bad week for you. <laughs> but, <coughs> so we're talking about love, and I got to thinking, um, you know, That's I had... I'm grumpy all the time, <laughs> <laughs> So I had no love for people this week, just really, like, kind of was angry at everybody and nobody in particular, you know, and... Um, let me get my glasses on to look at my notes. So, um, you know, I, a lot of times I can't remember, like, what I did yesterday. 
But I sure remember that slight that somebody gave me three years ago, right? And that's what happened all this week. Like I kept remembering all these disappointments, all these hurts, all these like times when like I was hurt by somebody and I was like, what is going on? And it took me, uh, you know, a couple of days to realize, oh, maybe that's like God doing something. <laughs> and it really was like I kept remembering times when I was looking to somebody to love me. Or like, I need something, and so I'm going to look to this person to fill that need. And all these memories were associated with me doing that to somebody. And I interpreted their like apparent slight as, oh, I'm unlovable. And like, oh, you, um, you've hurt me, and you haven't filled that need. And didn't you know I was really hurting, and you failed me? And in my heart, I had made like this judgment or I held something against that person. And so I, there were all these memories coming back and I had to repent, really. You know, I had that choice. Like, am I going to just harbor this like feeling, feeling of disappointment and um, unworth or am I going to repent to God and God, I repent for looking to this person for something that in my heart, like only you can fill. And I'm placing them as a God in my heart. And um, so it was, yeah, quite miserable. And it was never ending. And I, you know, there was a point where I'm like, just leave me alone. God, I don't want this. You know, I don't want whatever you're doing because it's, it's not fun. But then I contemplated the opposite and that terrified me. Like, I, God, don't leave me. Because my heart on my own, without you, like, helping me, that's terrifying. Like, that's worse. I really need your surgeon's, like, scalpel to really come in and do something in my heart. And I think that really is, you know, I mentioned, like, we think of love as, like, oh, happiness, you know, like, I'm so happy. I love everyone. But I think God's love is quite different it's a perseverance it's like a power beyond us and our ability and it's this like unnerving perseverance to get our heart to love him to see him as the source like the capital s the one who is unfailing the one who will never leave the one who wants to satisfy that ache that yearning in our heart and you know i'm like stop leave me alone but it really was this like loving perseverance of my father just wanting the best for my heart more than I wanted the best. You know, I was quite satisfied to settle and to live in like, I'm just not going to like people, you know, like maybe that will just be the rest of my life. I'll just, you know, <laughs> not like people and, and not trust people and live in loneliness. That, you know, a lot of people make that decision and maybe I'll just do that. But it's really the perseverance and power of God chasing after our heart and wanting. And it's love. That is what love is. Like his perseverance wanting the best for us. So that's my nitty-gritty ugliness for the, <laughs> the week. The last week. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So we're going to look at this uh, encounter Jesus had in John chapter 4 where he really demonstrates how he brings his unfailing love to the human heart, to our human hearts. 
and the setup is Jesus and his disciples are traveling, and it actually says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria, which is, we just pass over, we read over that without thinking about it, but the Jews never went through Samaria because those were their enemies, and those were the, the infidels in their mind. Those were kind of the, the half-breeds. The, they were the descendants of the Jews who had intermarried with the pagan cultures around them, and they were despised and looked down upon and considered dirty and unfaithful, and so Jews just always went around. Samaria, but it says Jesus had to pass through Samaria, and they, they went to, they showed up at the noon hour, and Jesus goes to the well outside the city, and his disciples go into town to get some food, because it's lunchtime, and there's a woman there, and she's alone, which is interesting, because people didn't normally go to the well in the middle of the day when it's blazing hot, they went earlier in the morning, but she was... We find out later why, but she was not really socially accepted. She was kind of an outcast, and so she's there. And Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. Jesus initiates a conversation with this person who is considered a sinner, considered from a people that was considered sinful, and from her very lifestyle, we'll find out, was, was considered a sinner. But Jesus... And even it was radical in those days for, for, even for men to talk to women was, there were a lot of taboos about that. And for a religious leader to talk to a, a woman, that just like, that did not happen. But Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. And he asks her, hey, could you give me a drink of water out of this well? And she's surprised. And we'll pick it up in verse 10. Jesus answered the woman and said, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. It's interesting. If you knew who I am, and if you knew what I have to offer, <laughs> you would be asking me for a whole different substance than this water here. You'd be asking for me for this thing called living water. What's he talking about? Verse 11. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is very deep. Where can you get this living water? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I just love that line. Whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Jesus says, there's something I have to offer. There's an unfailing love that God has for you, that I'm bringing to you, that that is the thing that you're really yearning for. That is the thing. All these other thirsts and desires, those, you can't quench them, but this is the thing that, that satisfies. That even that phrase, eternal life, we oftentimes in our culture or just our understanding, we, we think that, we just think that that means you go to heaven when you die. But the word eternal life is not only talking about duration of life, but it's talking about quality of life. It could be translated infinite life. Whoever drinks of this water will experience abundant life, infinite life. It's not just when we die, but as soon as we come to God and receive this gift he has for us, we begin to taste of this, this infinite life. So the woman says to him, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water anymore. 
So she's like, it's touching her heart. Like, this is, uh, this is what I'm yearning for. Jesus goes on. Jesus says to her, go, call your husband and come here. I'll give you the water not only for you, but for your husband too. The woman answered him, I have no husband. I guess Jesus didn't know her very well. But Jesus said to her, actually, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So Jesus is, he, he sees what's going on beyond, beyond the surface level. Mm-hmm. I love how like he totally gets the human heart. He knows that her quest for unfailing love is playing out in all these failed relationships. And he doesn't use them against her, you know, like we probably would. He really knows, like, there's this true desire in her heart, and he really wants to satisfy it. And, you know, it, caught, it makes us pause and ask, um, well, what are some of the thirsts and desires of my heart? And is that thirst and that desire to be loved, is that hindered by, like, broken habits, broken efforts to achieve this love? And for some, those um, broken patterns are obviously sexual. Like, we want just the instant gratification and not the, like, intimacy and um, unfailing love towards somebody. Um, like, we replace just instant gratification with genuine intimacy. For some of us, um, that, like, the broken effort for love looks like an emotional or a romantic ideal we've, we've placed on somebody else. We've pursued it on them, and we're, like, kind of attracted to them out of this, like, need for this emotional ideal in them that they'll never be able to meet. And then for some of us, we've just resigned ourselves to loneliness because of past wounding and mistrust that has come from, you know, like my example from this week, like really putting that desire for love onto somebody and they can't meet it. And so like all the lies of like, see, I know like I can't be loved. So I'm just going to mistrust people. Um, that happens. So we're, you know, each of us are in different places to different degrees. Yeah. So in order to receive the love that God has for us, first step is acknowledging, oh, I've been deceived. Like I've, I've been trying to get what I really want in a place that can't really satisfy it. Whatever that looks like, whether that's sexual, emotional, success, whatever that looks like. I've bought into this lie that this thing is gonna meet my need. And so we gotta admit that, we gotta admit that we need love. You know, it's funny how love, it's like, you think of like, oh women, you know, women are the ones that need love. Dudes, like, we don't really need it that much. But the whole pornography issue is the, the glaring evidence that no, we, we all do. We all desperately need love, but we're looking in, in the wrong places so often. Um, so we got to admit that we got to admit our need, and then look to Jesus as the source, as the one who can give us what we're truly looking for. And He's the one who makes our hearts' deepest cry. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians three. There's a prayer for people to to experience, really experience what God has for us in His unfailing love. You want to read that? Sure. So Ephesians three seventeen says so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, 
and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I did want to say, like, I, one of the memories I had was of this one particular person, and I repented and, you know, asked God for love. And out of that, I was able to reach out to her and not expect anything from her. But I had a real joy of, like, gosh, I really do like her. You know, I really do love her. And I sent her a text, and um, we haven't talked in a long time. But it was, it was out of, like, a love, like, I love her no matter what she, you know, does to me. And so there's, I think we all, like, crave that freedom to love people out of, like, first knowing the Father's love for us. Yeah. Yes. So that's, that's really the evidence. I, mean, I love the language in here. It's that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We're not just talking about head knowledge here or, like, I got this idea, but there's a real... A relationship with God leads to him being in us in such a way that then we're knowing. We're rooted and grounded in his love. As we know him, we know he loves us. And we get rooted and grounded in that. And we're, we get to know more and experience the breadth and length and height and depth to be filled with the fullness of God. It's not just like, oh, I know the right answers. But I'm like, oh, I'm knowing God more. And I'm living in that love that he has for me. That's, that's what he wants us to, to live in more and more. So, what was I going to say? And then, oh yeah, so I, what Reagan said, just so the whole idea of love is we receive it, but then there really is the goal of the human experience is to give it, genuinely give love to other people. And that's where life, like, we're meant to love that way, to genuinely care about people, to genuinely have a sense of like, oh man, they are, a, this is a great person. This is a good person. I care about them. I want them to come into a good life, everything God has for them. And that's true in our friendships. That's true in, in marriage. Um, that's true in, in sexuality, that really the thing that it, it doesn't work when we're trying to get something from the relationship, but when we're genuinely like, hey, how can, I, how can I bless and help and give to another person? How can I give my life and my strength, my body, my resources for another person? That's when we start to experience and taste the, the kind of quality of life and love that God has for us. So that's what he's got for us. And, um, but we gotta, we got to Look to him, we've got to acknowledge our false gods. And we've talked about this, but I just want to read one more verse about that. Um, in Jeremiah 2.13, Jeremiah was speaking to the people of Israel. And he said, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water. So actually Jesus was, was referencing this prophecy, this, this word, that when he was offered his living water. But he said, the people have rejected me, the spring of living water, and they've dung, dug their own cisterns. The cistern was just an underground place to store water. They've dug their own cisterns, but those cisterns are broken and can't hold water. And so those are our two sins. We've rejected God, and then we've dug our own cisterns that are broken and can't really hold the water that we need for them. And so that's, I just want to you know, leave this question, you know, bring us to this question for each of us, is what's your broken cistern? What's the cistern that you've dug for yourself? What, is, what does that look like for you? Maybe it's success, maybe it's sex, maybe, you know, what is the thing that God is putting his finger on today as a place that you've looked to to do something it really can't do? And our opportunity is to look to Jesus as the source of unfailing love for us. Um, so that's pretty much the focus today, the points that we're talking about. 
We're going to, in a minute, we're going to have a time of communion, a time of, for those of us who are believers in Jesus, where we're going to um, go to the back of the room and get a piece of bread and a cup of juice that represent Jesus and his body given out of love for us. And that's a time of, of receiving his love. It's going to be a chance for us, even in, a, in, a, in this moment, to say, God, I trust in you. I want you to fill those, the voids of my heart and be, my, be the unfilling love for my life. Um, before we do that, I just want to have a little bit of time for us to, to ponder that. And worship team, could you come on up or part of you?